Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Okay, we're live, just we're recording. Just, pre- just pretend that we don't know about it. Let's just keep having a conversation. And, and uh, hello, everybody. You're just listening to us uh, rambling. <laughs> no, nothing new for you. Uh, no, no. Here we are. They, they, they probably Rafael expect a lot more, a lot more from uh, from Raphael and Carrie. Uh, at this point, you know, we just get together and we were just having this idea. I said, you know what? We don't need to plan anything. Let's just talk about what come in your mind. And Raphael, you you just started with the comment about some robot that was in the news. I think yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think this was back on, on Friday um, uh, where uh, Elon Musk um, showed his, the latest iteration of his robot. And, and, and there is definitely a question that we should answer in terms of what is the robot useful for, which <laughs> may or may not be anything. <clears throat> but it, it was interesting because um, on the one hand, you've seen like Boston Dynamics and others showing early specialized version of robots, just like can we get the thing moving? Can we can we show different types of movement? <clears throat> and of course, Elon Musk, being Elon Musk, is just like, hey, um, we're going to have this robot out soon, and it's going to do everything, and and you'll be able to order one for under twenty thousand dollars. And meanwhile, you're like, but what actually is it? And so the story that I wanted to bring up was was that last year when. Uh, when the robot was unveiled, it was a person in a suit. You know, it, was, it was a dancer in, in a suit. And that was not that different from when, um, I think this was 2013, when Roni Abovitz, the CEO of Magic Leap, had a, uh, he did a TED Talk and he, he wanted to talk about the AR glasses that he hadn't yet built. Um, and so what he did was he had this, you know, this, of showy presentation that used the uh, the monolith music from 2001, the really bombastic music, and he had a, 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 a he had people dressed up in ape suits and uh, and astronaut suits come on stage and kind of do like showy motions and like hold things up and uh, and and then just start dancing, and um, and I think that there's a thread there where. You have really ambitious CEOs who want to change the world, and they may not fully understand their own technology that their companies are building. And when they they know that the thing isn't really ready, and they don't know how long it's going to be till it's ready, and so they basically devolve into vaudeville. They're like, let's just get some people on and have them dancing, and and that'll you know that'll be enough bread and circuses, and. Hopefully, people will, will rely on my reputation and 
the people dancing there on stage and then they'll imagine something and it'll be better than anything I can show them. And so that's the thing I wanted to bring up is that, that there's sometimes this element of showmanship around technology where they kind of want to do the whole like Steve Jobs iPhone reveal where it's all perfect and it's, but everything is in lockstep and they don't have that. And so when they don't, someone like Roni Abovitz or Elon Musk just goes, get a dancer in a suit. <laughs> well, so we did a, I'll, I'll start with that. <laughs> we, we did a lot of that, the, the whole dog and a pony show at Electronic Arts with the whole demos. Remember those demos where you would show them a game that was never going to be built. But you would, you would show that to the press. And then by the time the game actually got out, it was a completely different situation. But I think to your point, I mean, a lot of the new technology is like that. I mean, if you look at, we've been talking about quantum computing for the last 10 years. We, people have been people have been saying that it's going to be the end of the world. But I mean, if you really dig deep, deep into it, 30 years are from, from anything like that, even becoming commercial, commercially viable, right? There's one Canadian firm doing that qubit stuff. To process one qubit, you have to sell your house. That's how expensive it is. I mean, it's not coming back. But yet, if you look at popular media, I mean, if, even if you look at reputable like Harvard Business Review and, and MIT Press, like, they're talking about quantum computing being the end all, be all. It's going to solve all our problems. It's going to, it's going to put us beyond the solar system. Um, yet we are still using alphanumeric passwords. Go figure. <laughs> Is, is there no? I forget what the what the term is you see at the beginning of every uh, corporate deck when they're presenting to a public audience that says they can't. They're they're not promising anything from a financial revenue projection perspective. What's that? What's only that an phrase? IPO. You you supposed to say that only if you're doing your what's that S10 oh, for the IPO or whatever. Well, I think even is. if if you go public, I think there's some some forward looking statement stuff you have to you have to qualify right. things with. So I'm just wondering. We know this uh, particular individual likes to uh, hype things, and and who knows if it's being done in, in with intention to manipulate stocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the key is that they they need to have a disclaimer. You know, it, it needs to be kind of the equivalent of like this technology was inspired by actual science. <laughs> it's it's not real science. We don't really have technology, but it's inspired by the notion of science. <laughs> So it sounds Google like the disclaimer like on the on the movies that uh, you know nothing was referring to people, real people, and uh, and fact that actually happened. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we we're just going freestyle here. <laughs> um. So um. So do we? And Rafa, I know you want to talk further about AI and yeah. meditation. Well, well, well yeah. So 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 just to close out that story, I think that. And, and I, I caught this at one point that um, Musk talked about how he's trying to not have Tesla be thought of as a car company and that he's trying to trade on the full serve, uh, full service driving, which is still far from, you know, the FSD is still far from actually being functional, but he's trying to rebrand Tesla as an AI company. And so I, I think it's it's interesting that when people are trying to to rebrand or pivot their company, that um, oftentimes they're trying to go into a new area and then 
put together a dog and pony show that says like, hey, this is gonna be different. Uh, we're going to be different. Invest in us, increase our stock size uh, because we might be working in this area and we're gonna show you some sizzle and not yet the steak in this area. So you guys familiar with Acme, right? And, and Willie Coyotes. So it's a, a company that makes everything, but apparently not much works <laughs> when, you, when you start building it. So I'm wondering, you know, you're digging a, tu a tunnel, you're making cars, you're going to space, and that, that, that going to space is apparently working really well. So, but well, at the same time, it's like, are you everything or are you focusing on something very specific? You've got to keep in mind he's just the face of the company. The people who actually do the stuff. They, they, um, the SpaceX engineers hate him. They, they don't let him anywhere <laughs> near. They, they, they actually don't even reveal much to him because if you if you tell Musk that you've made ten percent progress, he claims hundred percent and goes to the press next day, and then these guys are bloody scrambling to get shit done. He did that with OpenAI. He did that with Neuralink. The whole pig thing. I don't know if you saw that. The the mm. implants into the brain and the pig could actually they could. They could make the pig do some stuff. Um, that that's what's happening. Dance like a yeah. like an ape. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I think you've actually got kind of a point there, which is if you think <clears throat> if you think of it not in terms of the logical work that needs to be done and how how complex some of that work is, but if you just start it from Elon Musk wants to have a bunch of companies that provide essential technology for running a Martian colony. Um, robots, um, Cybertruck uh, Martian rovers, um, drilling underground, um, and, uh, and, and, and general space travel. Um, those things kind of fit together. Now, the problem is that he's almost approaching it from the perspective of a science fiction novelist, like if he writes it, then it's then it's done, and he needs to do more than like announce it on Twitter. Um, and I I think that the problem is that Musk is primarily a financial person, um, and he's not really a scientist or an engineer in a number of these fields. <clears throat> and so he's basically going, I need to just build a bunch of companies. And then I can be the next, you know, like to make a, a, an alien reference, the next whaling Yutani. Like he, he, he wants to, to have the variety of companies needed for space exploration about 50 to 100 years too soon. Oh, I, I think he's got a fantastic PR engine running this whole show for him. Um, so one of the discussions I had last week when I was talking to a bunch of really incredibly smart people was the whole concept of um, fully immersive AR, VR sort of experience. And we talked a bit about Ready Player One. We, we touched a bit about the, the Wachowski sisters now, the, the Matrix guys. Um, and then we talked about what, and then we touched a bit about Neuralink in terms of can you can you really achieve that level of sort of immersive um, experience wherein you, you transform your consciousness from this realm to a virtual realm? And then if you can do it, why would you want to come back? So I thought that was, a, that was an interesting sort of a 
question. Because if you look at Ready Player One, if you look at Matrix, that's what they do. They literally transform into, into the virtual realm and that's where they live. They experience everything there and then they have to come out. And so the, the debate we had was, why would you want to come out? And my question to that was, how are you absolutely sure that we are not in one already? I'll, I'll give one, one quick tie of this to the previous conversation, which is that uh, you, you'll want to come back because your neural link will take you to a robot working on Mars, which will, which will be your, your job. And once you finish your job, you'll want to come back to your body uh, on, on Earth. <laughs> um, why? Why would you so again? Yeah. And take it, why would you want to come back? The fact that you're loaded in virtual batteries, drain. You have to recharge. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are you talking about Avatar, Cameron's uh, yeah, Avatar? Because well, <laughs> it's the same thing, right? You just upload yeah. yourself. That's it. You just upload yeah. yourself, and that, and that ties into the whole. If you if you look at um. The, the cryogenic stuff where people are freezing themselves and the whole point is that they are going to be able to upload their consciousness into into a future I mean the head they, they don't care what happens to the body but they want the head or the brain part of it to to be transformed into some future virtual yeah, sort of I, I have the answer but you do Sean wise one you know why I'd want to come back because whoever's running that one that I was in sucks and I want to go into a different one. Because <laughs> will there only be one? I don't know. I think there will be many. And I but think why do you have to come back, though? That's the thing. Like with the virtual world, you can transcend boundaries. You don't need to come back into the. You can go. The whole point of the physics of that allows you to go from one dimension or one plane to another plane without coming back to this specific thing. All right, so I have a, I have a question because I'm kind of thinking about where we started and, of course, where we could go, which is, you know, anywhere. But so I'm thinking, actually, that Tim Cook from Apple, just Friday, I believe, he says something Mr. about Apple the Steve. fact that he doesn't think that really, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Apple, uh, that he thought that maybe the metaverse is so non-easy to... To define, he would say, you know, the average person wouldn't tell you what the metaverse is. So he presented more as augmented reality with VR to be a more pragmatic first step or advanced step that will be an immense step, right? You know, think about, you know, practicing surgeries and practicing, you know, educations and teaching and all of that. So what I'm thinking is, so on one side, there is the big hype for the future, even if maybe it's an imaginary future, maybe it's the utopia or dystopia one, but it's fueling an industry. And on the other one, I'm wondering, I'm not saying, you know, that, that, that Tim Cook is on the right side of things to be a little bit more pragmatic, but do we need to emphasize and play with the fantasy to sell technology advancement or can we just do a little bit of a step at a time because everything seems impossible until you do it flying for example going to the moon and now we we are going back there apparently well i do think the hype is necessary to an extent right i mean technology on its own is very dry like ever i mean you ever tried explaining the benefits of math to somebody
you put them to sleep in 30 seconds. But so I mean, I do think I, I do believe I do believe some of the hype is necessary. I mean, and to Cook's credit, I mean, he he explains that why this is needed or why. I mean, Apple does that all the time. I mean, they 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 look at what everybody else is doing and they take 10% of that, really make it really well, and then basically hype the heck out of that. And then people basically pay them a premium for it. And I know Raf definitely has a few things to say about that. Um, <laughs> um, but we talked about this, Marco, it, probably in the first time we talked about the whole like technology versus creativity and where's the influx of it and where's AI come into the, the fact. Um, so I think some of the hype is needed to, to sell technology. Otherwise, no one's going to fund technology on its own. My, my thoughts. Uh, so I, I think that there's actually an interesting distinction that, that Tim Cook is making. Um, and and you know within the XR community, we, we kind of think of AR, VR, eventually MR, and then down the road, an, an integrated <coughs> XR that combines all of them. And um, metaverse is often associated with VR, uh, you know, going into a world, being present, being there, looking around and feeling like you have been put into another world and, and that when it, is, um, when it is successful, you are present in another space. Um, Apple has expressly basically said, we're skeptical of that. Um, not skeptical that it can be done, but skeptical that everybody wants to do that. Um, and I think that that's fair. Um, I mean, Tim Sweeney, the, the um, you know the, the head of Epic, uh, called this out back in in 2015, where he said that um, you know VR um, would probably be limited, um, and uh, and and that AR would be the thing that would you know, some form of like AR glasses or visors had the better chance of replacing the smartphone. You know, basically going from, hey, I've got a phone in my pocket to I've got a pair of glasses, uh, maybe supplemented by a watch, uh, you know, uh, Apple glasses, Apple watch, Apple, you know, base station at, at your hip. But the notion that you could have some amount of devices, but that, they don't obstruct your vision, that you can still see the world around you. And Apple has been much more focused on that. Um, and, and I think frankly, because, you know, like th there's, there's been a general analogy made in, in the XR community that um, if um, VR is your, your TV or your console, that AR uh, or AR slash MR is your, your phone that um, even if we get to the point of where it is very immersive uh, to go under a headset, people probably don't want to do it all day. But this, you take with you everywhere, absolutely everywhere, to the extent that um, Wired did a thing recently on um, do people take their phones into the shower? And they, they checked with their editors and half the editors took their phones into the shower, <laughs> and uh, and when the you know like people put mag safes in their shower so that they could just have it sitting there and you know and and tap it uh, to to check a notification. 
this is our second brain. Uh, we've gotten to the point of where few people have this far from our, you know, you have it in your pocket, you have it in your hand, you put it on your desk, you don't give it to anyone else because it's yours. It's part of you. It's a collection of, of memories and notes and messages and contacts. And this thing becomes this thing, and this thing becomes AR glasses. And that's what Apple is chasing because it's much more compelling to go, can I sell you the device that everybody needs? And VR is not that yet, and maybe at some point will be, but AR glasses, everybody could use those and they could be more, you know, frankly, connected and addictive and perfect than this. So I've got, I've got a bit of an unpopular sort of opinion here. How is this different from being a drug dealer? Because all this is doing is this is just a dopamine sort of <laughs> delivery system. You, you're notific literally that's what you're doing. I mean, you, when you're looking at notifications, like it's a small hit of dopamine, like your social bloody media is that. And this just becomes the, the medium from which you consume or which is the trigger to your dopamine. So philosophically, how are they different from the cocaine? Uh I, I, li I like that. And it's funny because I found an article that maybe I will mention towards the end. It was about video games and how they <laughs> they use, they put addiction into the games. Maybe, right. you know, that was it was on the New York Times. So that was one of my ideas too, to bring to the table. But but you went there with the dopamine. And it, while I was reading this article, I'm thinking like, but isn't everything that we enjoy in life addictive? Right, so I'm I'm getting very philosophical here. Like, yeah. not everything. I, I, no, it doesn't have to be addictive. Like, I mean, look, I mean, you. I enjoy watching a good movie from time to time. Doesn't mean I'm addi addicted to the movie. Um, no. I, it, it's a, I enjoy traveling from time to time. Doesn't mean I'm constantly want to be on the road. But this. Well, so let me put it this way. I enjoy movies. I enjoy fantastic food. But if I don't get fantastic food, I can still do with normal food and be okay with it. This, okay. cocaine, if I don't get a hit, I mean, I don't snort cocaine, but if I did, I would be very miserable if I didn't. If I didn't. Okay. If I didn't. <laughs> All right. So I can see the addiction into video games. I can see it in gambling. I can see it in social media. It is social media. That's what we do. There's, there's, but, it is an addiction. Do you like it or not? But but the, the every, everybody has their own and but these the are iPhone the more common ones, right? But everybody probably their fetishes could also be addiction, which not everybody has the same. No, but the phone thing. I think these the, the phone companies. Well, I think the not so much the phone companies actually social media has made these the most perfect all right distance right so so and then games did that video games did that the whole like conquer you level with a small bit of it's a repetitive task you do right. that all the way until you go the big boss so. but but so l l let's distinguish there's a difference between um social media and social media sending notifications and specifically setting up addictive loops, uh, as opposed to this, where I just go, this is incredibly convenient. Mm -hmm. um, or I, I go, oh, I'm protective of it because it has lots of my personal data. Um, but I, I think that, that, that a thing that's important to, to think about is that, and like, I, I remember um, 
getting my the first uh, iPod Touch. <clears throat> what you know, right after it was announced, like I didn't pick up the first iPhone, but I picked up an iPod Touch so I could develop on it. And the my my immediate thing when I held it in my hand was, oh, this is a computer. This is a like because the iPod, like the iPod Classic wasn't. But as soon as you had a screen there, it was a computer. A BlackBerry was still like a BlackBerry or a Palm Pilot. Uh, those were still limited or, or a pager. But as soon as you had a screen and a, and a virtual keyboard and you could type and you had enough uh, of GPU to be able to render something, it was a computer. Well, I think it's also the operating system, Raf. You can't discount yeah. the OS, which basically made yeah. it convenient to do things that you couldn't do on the other stuff. But yep. but I think I think it's important. But, but, but we we are tool users, um, yeah. and this is a tool, and it's are the we, most convenient. Are we using tool. the tool or the tool using us? <laughs> all right, all right. There you go. So, it's what you do with it. I know. I know. It's it's, it's it's what everybody says. Like a gun is not the gun is not dangerous. Is you know, is how you use the gun, right? I mean, I can totally debate that one, but I'm just saying something that people say a lot. Universal to PG thirteen, <laughs> but but the, the the phone. I mean, if I think about how many useful things I do here, like every time I I have a question, I don't know a word, I want to. I mean, obviously, if your phone is Instagram and TikTok and and Facebook, and you don't take advantage of all the other unbelievable things that you can do, great photography and, and a bunch of other stuff, then. Uh, Again, is is the app that they're using it within the phone that that create that addiction? But it's not an addiction to the phone; it's an addiction it, to yeah. what is in the phone. Well, what what it allows us to access? I mean, it's just an access point. It gives us access to so many things that that it's simplified. I wouldn't call it simplified. I mean, it's it's made it cheaper to to. I mean, you take photography for for example. I mean, just ten years ago and. If you want to be a good photographer, you need to spend a few few quid to go get a good camera and stuff. And actually learn how to be a photographer, <laughs> learn yeah. about exposure and, and, yeah. and shutters and, and everything. So I mean remember the times when you used to actually had to look at a bloody map before you went to a new time town and plan <laughs> a route and stuff like that. Um most kids can't even read a map these days. Um but I mean in the end, we 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 function when we function this generation, we function perfectly fine without these devices. These devices, mm -hmm. are, yeah, um, but now we can't. So now, now, when you lose your phone for more than 20 minutes and you're panicking, you literally have bloody panic attacks. Well, and, and so, and, and if you think about it, um, we got to the point of where the internet was necessary. And and now we're, we've got oh, yeah, where, necessary or not necessary. Uh, necessary where where people can't apply for jobs without the internet. They oftentimes can't do parts of their jobs without the internet, and and so yeah, we've gotten to the point where um, where devices and the internet have become necessity. Um, we will probably get to the point where, if you use the term loosely as metaverse, but you, you, you basically say the metaverse is a th real time 3D 
synchronous multi-user successor to the internet. It's transmitting data online and allowing people to pull and push 3D data so that you know, people can play games better uh, or they can wear a, a, a VR headset or an AR headset. Um, will that become addictive? Yes, it will in the same way that the internet is addictive or that movies are addictive or that anything that is useful or enjoyable is addictive. People will need to control that behavior and it's different from push notifications. It's if something is incredibly useful, <clears throat> you still shouldn't do it all the time. You should still go, I should go outside and take a run or get some sun or go on a hike. Um, you can go, hey, my car is addictive or the TV is addictive. Um, the, the point is that humans as tool users, we really like to use tools. Um, you know, we are, we are basically uh, primates that are really, really good at using tools and then getting lost in our tools. And it is important as a society to be able to understand that we will keep making better tools and our tools by being really good will be really addictive. And we shouldn't layer things on top to push you to the tools. We need to do things to pull you out of them. So a question for that, about the whole metaverse thing. If you do something in the metaverse, should the consequences be felt in this world? Or should the consequences... Ooh, wow. That's deep. <laughs> wow. Marco, <laughs> you crack me up, man. <laughs> well, and, and so, 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 yes, but the metaverse... The, the worlds hosted within that do not need to have the same rules. Um, well, if you yeah, are... As a rap, like if, let's say we are in the metaverse and I, and I bully you or I do something to you or right. you do something or, or I mean, we do a trade or we do a trade. Should that, if I sign a contract in the metaverse, can it be legally binding in this world? And so is, is there... Um, not if you don't come out of it. Just stay in there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing is there. So this is a distinction that people are starting to think about, which is that there are certain rules of behavior that don't real that shouldn't make a distinction about where you are, whether you are online or offline, and that online metaverse or not is just a means of facilitating communication. But then you go, okay, if I'm if I'm driving 120 miles an hour in a um, a model of a um, Lamborghini in need for speed, I shouldn't be hit with a fine for speeding in the real world um, because the rules of that virtual world are that it's need for speed and you should speed because you have the need for it. <laughs> but, well, that's a if, if, but if you defraud someone um, and you de then it should come down to if you defraud them is, you know, so think of it like if you defraud them of real money, that should be different than if you defraud them from, let's say, World of Warcraft money. You defraud someone of uh, World of Warcraft money, you should be punished. But if you defraud them of money in the real world, then you should probably be punished more severely. So let, let's talk about Westworld. Oh, no, what, <laughs> Westworld. Okay, you want to go there? 
Well, no, I'm just saying. So there is this idea where you go experience a different world where you pretend to kill people because you are in, in, in an environment, you're using a gun and you're doing dual and you want to live the life. I don't think the best world is that. It, it was, it was, I think, more about, it was just best world was created for entertainment. It was literally like a theme bloody park. Yeah, but but you kind of like pretend to go in an universe where maybe you're shooting a robot. I mean, and and well, you are there is no consequences because you go into this metaverse or fake universe where those rules don't apply. So in a way, the, the, what, what is I'm following Rafael Rafael with that is the fact that. Each world has its own rules. And if you want to go into a metaverse that is with no rules and you want to be a complete crazy delinquent and psychopath, I wouldn't go there, <laughs> right? Okay. But, but really it's your choice. Person. It's your choice um, in yeah, the end. The, the question is that, so you upload your avatars and you we get to a point where we... we can put some of our consciousness in there. But let's say Raph and I in a metaverse and I defraud Raph. Not money part of it, just to say I do something bad to him. We come out uh, or I play a game unfairly, I cheat and I win the game and suddenly I'm the champion in the metaverse and again I get accolades and stuff like that or my avatar gets accolades. Mm -hmm. Does that and everybody knows who Raph is in real and what his avatar is in, in the metaverse and they know me. Does that transcend back out into the real world? So when Raf and I meet up, does he call me a cheat, or does he say, "Well, that's totally fine"? The there so there will be that? consequences because you have a relationship in in both worlds, and therefore, well, even if you don't have a relationship, let's say you don't have a relationship. I mean, right. esports where where you're doing stuff. Well, esports has got legal consequences, but I'm talking about situations like that when in the in the. Do you have a family in the metaverse? You have, you have, a, you have a family. I think, I think if you're going to create these worlds, everything that we know in, in our physical life will have to be replicated. And how much, how fast? Um, I think, why? Why? Why does it have to be replicated? The whole point of the be being in the metaverse is that you are able to do impossible things. It's because of the things you're saying. Right. What's the point of earlier, the metaverse? If you're in there and you don't like it, and and well, I wrote a piece well, I'm just saying that if you don't you, like what you're in and you're, it's missing something that you have nostalgia for in the physical world, you may want to come out of that to escape the crap that's in the in the metaverse and come back to a world that that you have uh, something you want to you want to experience that isn't available. Well, or to escape. Let me, uh, let me pull the lunatic. <laughs> shit same, up. Same question and different. Are you allowed? To basically subject someone to the consequences in real world based on the actions they took in the metaverse. Yes, uh, the the developer or, or publisher is so, I, and I, I think the the. Well, Raph, you don't you don't know the legal part of it. I'm talking about the non. I'm talking about just general. I think the consequences are in that world for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and so I, I think this is where it's important to not go 
when you're in the metaverse where it, it be, if it becomes too vague and touchy feely and like, it's going to be like snow crash. It's like, no, um, maybe at some point in the future that we don't yet understand, we'll get to where everything is connected, but our technology is not like that. And the, the next iteration that we are likely to have is lots of 3d worlds that will have portals between them. Just like we go, we have, a web, but you don't seamlessly go across the web, you go between different websites. And the the reality is that when you are within the domain of one game or virtual world or website, you are beholden to their rules. You are within Facebook, you are beholden to their rules. And that I think is, is the next iteration that we can kind of look at and understand is that you go, okay, I, I go into Call of Duty Warzone and I can shoot people in the face because that's allowed. But what I can't do is uh, team kill my own team or do certain things to grief or set up an aimbot and, and hack people or um, uh, hack people such that I transfer inventory from them to me without their permission. There are things that you can do within the bounds of the game or virtual world or domain, and then there are things you can't do. And when you steal from another player, then the publisher developer generally gets in the mix and they try to sort that out. Um, it only goes out to the real world when you go, oh, hey, um, this person, like when, when the perpetrator touches the real world, like they go, I don't like this streamer and so I'm going to dox them and then I'm going to swat them. I'm going to call the cops on them to go to their real world location because I don't like what they did in a stream. Um, at that point, it touches the real world. And so I think that within the bounds of different websites or virtual worlds, the person or company responsible for creating that polices that, but as soon as it touches the real world, then um, some amount of folks, individuals or companies go, this person broke real world rules and we need to push them and, and often connect the actions and go, they said this thing here and then they did this thing over here and these are tied together and this is evidence of the other. So what if it's a decentralized metaverse? What do you do then? <laughs> uh, th th then, then we've got Mad Max's Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, um, and, and, and this is why um, I, I don't believe that that will ever happen because I don't think that we have the technology to do it and I don't think that we have the humanity to do it. I, I think that, that, that a fully decentralized notion and um, generally shows that we will tear each other apart. Um, and, and, you know, like in... In metaverse discussions, I, I will often bring in um, the online rules that Raf Koster has collected across the last 30 or so years of online uh, MMOG games. And there's just a, an, an amazing plethora, and, and I'll, I'll send them around, but of just observations. And the, these are rules that different designers across different MMO companies have, have basically said or lectured or, or made individually. And then he's collected them together and been like, in the MMO space, these are the rules because this is what we've seen. And it's mostly a lot of like, people 
expect to be lawless, but they also expect to be taken care of. And, you know, like there's a whole range of things where you basically go, in the end, these folks are customers and they want a curated experience and they want a good experience. And everybody wants, you know, everybody has kind of like a decentralized, like, oh, I, I want it to all be until it works against them. And so the last thing I would say connected to that is that it's important to remember that part of this decentralized notion comes out of libertarian um, ideology. And that works really well if you, if you live in, yeah, like that, that works really well if you live off in, in a forest in New Hampshire, but as soon as you want roads and you want postal delivery and you want fire trucks, um, decentralized doesn't work that well <laughs> um, in the real world or in in uh, you know in, in the virtual world. People want protection and they want adjudication and they want to be safe. So I would I would I would venture and say that it's not libertarian. I think it's just human. I would totally love to not pay taxes and get everything for free. I think it's it's a base human nature. Everybody wants to have their bloody cake and eat it too right um i i think that the the big difference is that you choose to go into this world and when you choose to go into this different world you want that experience you do need to play by the rules of those world i think you do it in video games too right what if you're born in the metaverse but that's a different story. <laughs> you have the option not to go there. But so far, I don't have the option to get out of real life. Now, now we can question, are we into a simulation? But that's still, I don't know where the door is to get the hell out of here. <laughs> so I'm forced to have a social contract. We need to pay taxes. We need regulation. But when we go into this, and I don't even want to call it metaverse, because I think that the metaverse should be if it's one metaverse, it should be all connected. And that's the, the impossible one that we say right now, probably not going to happen. So each one is going to have his own uh, different rules, different experience. Um, Ready Player One, uh, you know, you go in different planets in different areas where one is it that there is no gravity. Another one has different rules that apply. Another one is in pixel in, you know, in eight bits or whatever it is. Well, Wreck-It Ralph too. I mean, isn't that he's going through multiple different worlds and like with different rules. He's right. literally traversing between game lands with different rules and he yeah. suddenly realizes that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wreck-It Ralph was, was, was basically a, a metaverse uh, movie. <laughs> And, and I think that we, we're kind of reconnecting with, with the hype here. We started with the hype of the robot that can do everything. Let's define everything. Now we are kind of talking about this metaverse. There's like, okay, there is this metaverse where you could do everything, but isn't that a hype as well? And maybe we do need to go into a, a, a universe of like a video game, a World of Warcraft, which is more delimited then, you know, yeah, I would like to bring the stuff that I own in that world in another world. But mm -hmm. then what if the rules there are that you could get my lots and get my inventory and all of a sudden then I go back in the other world, I got nothing. It's the Wild West. So, Listen, I don't know. We, we can't figure out this world. 
right? <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't know how. And that, and the, the the idea that technology is going to solve this problem either box us in where there's no no rules, well, no, no ways to break the rules or whatever. I uh, I don't believe that's going to happen uh, because again, it's humans creating the technology. So right, well, and using it. Interesting yeah. about being born in the metaverse. I mean, so yeah. I see a lot of kids these days. They literally have their most important life experiences inside the virtual world. So mm. in that case, so I'm going back to my old question. <laughs> One, so they are literally metaverse virtual babies. I mean, right from the time they're born, they, they only know that world. Their best friends are in that world. Their birth rates are in that world. They spend money in that world. Like they care less for how they appear in the physical world, but they do care for, and gamers and game companies exploit that. But then I go back to the whole the whole question I asked, like, in this scenario, where now you've got a kid who whose whole social construct is defined within a virtual world, besides the fact that he's, he's got to do the human stuff and be physically present, but otherwise he's virtually in that world. So there, in that case, the consequences of what you do in the metaverse, does that transcend outwards? Or should it transcend? Who controls that? I just want to say that that I, I want to use the phrase "do the human stuff." <laughs> t-shirts, Rob. Let's make t-shirts out of that. <laughs> well, let's do the human stuff. <laughs> I, I'm copywriting that. Um, but yeah, at what, at what point wouldn't you do the human stuff? Like, for example, when when you work when you are in a universe that is. Again, I go back to Ready Player One. I I love that 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 book. But the life outside of the Oasis sucks, at least for a lot of like you know the main character. You got nothing, but you can build a future. And then there is the well, you though for a lot of people that Oasis is the only world they know. In fact, for them, well, that's where they work. That where they make the money. So it's already you don't it's really there. have that choice anymore, right? So yeah, I but hope we're always we going to have this body choice. if that's all all we need. Well, I mean, so again, I'm going to go back. I mean, you look at the whole bloody thing, and everything is happening. It's I've seen kids do that. They come back from school, they're like glued to the stuff, and now all of the interaction happen. Like they, you ask them who. Who their best friend are? Who do they want to call for their birthday party? And like nobody, because I'm having my birthday party in the virtual world, and we are going to do this quest. And like, th this is literally happening in this world. But so, who is who fails there? Does this is this the education system that fails? Is the parents that fails? Is yeah, technologists fail? We we it, it's a collective thing. It, it's not just one entity, right? I mean. Schools can only take care of the kids in a certain point in time, for a certain amount of time. Parents can, but then I think, honestly, I blame corporate capitalism for it. We push this into every home. We push this desperately. Hey, Raf and I made a living off this for a few years pushing games. Corporations are the educators. We, they they're, they're creating the platforms that are bringing the people together, that they're educating each other. I mean, we used to be through influenced the, by books and stuff. The corporate... Uh, now it's like video games and bloody TikTok videos. I'm getting, I'm getting lessons on on physics from Cardi B on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I don't because I'm not there. But 
Okay, so how about TV? Okay, when TV came out a while a while back, and then it developed into multi-channels, wasn't just one, you know, main state TV. And people started to worry about it. Like I think it was in the 80s when I was a kid, you know, a teenager in the 80s. And, uh, and everybody was talking about how TV is addictive and, and kids would go from one program to another. And it was the new babysitter because uh, or, you know, you wouldn't go out and play. Given me personally, Never got addicted to that. I was more addicted to go out and play soccer with my friends and you know and do things. But it, it wasn't as pervasive as technology nowadays because now you can go with your video games from the one you play on the on the TV platform to move it to your computer, move it to your phone, and you can play even in a grass, you know, field. So the things have changed. But the, the point is. Yeah, but the point is, I still keep saying that there is a choice and there is education that need to be done, meaning why are kids so much more addicted nowadays to the video game than to be addicted to the dopamine that you get by playing sport with your friends or or hanging out with your friend or, I don't know, going one wheel on your motorcycle uh, we, we, yeah, all we, day long well one <laughs> ideas change right now so kids are not um afforded that kind of freedom outside the houses unfortunately right um, we had our addictions Marco. we had comic books we got mm -hmm. a lot of stuff from comic books we the back page <laughs> all the ads you know the busy gun the, the pea shooter and then the seahorses and by the rock <laughs> did, did, did you guys have a rock pet i thought that was that was yeah, it's the pet rock. Thing. Um, but no, the seahorses from, from comic books to TV, um, Mexican jumping beans, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Also, also easy to get bored with it eventually because there wasn't oh. somebody giving you always every five seconds a, a new, a, a new addiction. Right? Issue every, yeah. every week, you had a brand new issue every week. You, you, all the cool kids would hang out at the comic book store, and so we've just taken that and said, instead of coming to the store, we'll bring the store to you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I will say that that I do think that we will always have new expressions of technology, new expressions of entertainment. Um, we always do. We you know we find new ways to distract ourselves, and the ones who adapt that the most quickly are our youth. Um, so I, I don't think that it's something specific to games. You know, games, comics, rock and roll, whatever it is. Um, kids are the ones who adapt new means of expression the quickest because they're still learning interfaces and learning to adapt and, and learning what, what the world expects of them. And so I, I think the important thing there is, it is important for, for parents not to necessarily know exactly um, all the things that their kids are into or how those things run, but it is important for parents to be aware of the time that kids are spending and to to balance that and go well that is done this that, enough that, now that. go outside no but that is if the kids are doing that stuff you got to understand a lot of these these things happen outside when they go you can send your kid outside but literally mm -hmm. they're in a playground and or going yeah. to a coffee shop and they're playing games out there you you can't i mean so look i mean i think parents teachers 
it's a collective thing. I think it's a collective thing. You're talking about analog versus digital, right? I mean, this digital virtual world allow you to, I mean, all the things that you mentioned that you were addicted in the 80s, the comic, they, they were tangible things. They were things that you needed to print. I mean, I remember my parents telling me, don't read comic books, but I literally had my biology book open. And a comic I know, but even when you were doing that, it wasn't that addiction that you would isolate yourself the entire 24 hours of the day yeah. out of it. I mean, you would have those moments like, you know, I love to play guitar. Fuck it. I'm going to play guitar for an hour or something else, right? That's but it's... But, but but the point is now in a way you're trading either a your life in a digital world for your life in the real world. It's kind of like there is not that delimitator anymore. So we also have access. Or there's also so much rubbish out there, and it's like pack. We if, take TV for example. And my favorite thing to do in the TV. You know what's my favorite show on the TV? Picking the remote and switching through channels because I want to know what else next. That literally <laughs> is a problem. Like it, it, it's an addiction, right there. It is an addiction. <laughs> literally, I mean, if you give me the TV remote, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm going to sit there and just do this. Like probably going to get ten like as much. Or is it you're escaping from the commercials in the current or in that current channel? Sometimes the commercials are more informative. <laughs> but but the thing is, I think it's not. I think part of this, and I was thinking about the other day, like why do I do that? I don't do that with books. I, mean, I have tons of books, and I read one book. Are, or read are, are you doing this with live TV? I don't oh, know. Wow. I don't watch sports. I, when I like, so, so for me, sports has got no... So for me, it's, like yeah. I, and I, it's not just me. And I was actually reading about it. It's a lot of people. They just want to know what you're, you're... You want what is there in front of you, but you also want what you might be missing out on. So fear, right. fear, fear of missing out? That's famous. It's almost like parallel FOMO. You, <laughs> yeah. want, you want everything. <laughs> so, properly process everything. So, in that, like, are you going to the to like the cable guide and, and then just kind of like scrolling through that? Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I used to have that behavior, and then I just stopped subscribing to cable. Well, I stopped and, watching TV. That was yeah, nice. like I, I, I only watch, you know, I only watch the shows that I plan to watch, and and I just stop watching live TV. Like cu cutting, cutting the the cable cord, and going like, I have cable for internet, and that's it. <laughs> was was incredibly helpful to my well being. So, so <laughs> Carrie, let, let me ask you because this is a good point. I mean, are you jumping from one Netflix show to a Disney show while you're actually watching the show? Oh no, dude! I'm in Netflix, going through the scroller. <laughs> no, no but once know. you pick the show, do you watch it all the way, or you just stop like a ten minutes and be like, "Oh, let me see if there's." I mean, depend. I mean, I don't watch many shows, but if I pick a movie, I will watch it throughout. I mean, okay, so we're, we're still in this kind of saying. Getting to that point is a problem, right? <laughs> No, but I, I, I've done that. I've done a few evenings, maybe it's late, not. that I'm like, I don't want to commit to an entire movie. Plus, I like to watch documentaries, but I will be like trying to decide what to watch for the next half hour before I go to bed. And I spend the whole half hour trying to decide what to watch. And then I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go to bed. Happens. So I've done that. I, I feel you. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. <laughs> I actually want to push this back to uh, to the metaverse for a second, 
and and, and I want to throw an idea out there. So, I, I can remember back when when um, in the last wave of VR, and and I was trying to convince people about the importance of clouds and and of of online, where people seem to be surprisingly. Um, fine with just having like VR single player games. And I was like, no, like the important thing with VR or with any of this stuff is to be connected. Um, you know, we like computers because they're connected. We don't want to disconnect our computers or our consoles or our smartphones. Why would we want to be offline in VR? And um, the the metaphor for kind of where I, I see things going and what I would describe is like, um, to go from like the internet is, you know, this, we talk about um, the World Wide Web, but it's more than just the web. The, the internet as a whole is this global connected layer, but it's basically one layer because there's a limited amount of information. Me, I mean, it's literally an access, it's just access to everything that's available. Yeah. What it is. So I have a question for that. I mean, this whole, um, the reason I brought the TV stuff is not to highlight my my lack of decision-making, um, mm -hmm. there's plenty of that. But given the fact that we've got so much choices, so many choices, the fact that we are overstimulated, is that contributing to the younger generation having more of a problem with focusing on stuff? Is yeah. that what we're doing? Are we, are we pushing too much? Uh, and I noticed this um, when, I, when my nephew, um, I went to his music school, and when they were getting younger kids, and one of the way one one of the ways they want to see if you got the the chops to learn theoretical music is they give you a piano and tell you to press a key and hold hold it pressed down till the final notes are done. That's that's the test of patience. A lot of the kids don't have that. They would let go of that, and so is that are we creating a situation where kids can't focus on stuff, or they have just too much choice. Too many choices of, of what, what I'm going through the whole. I want to I want all of this, but I want I want a brain that is able to process all of this and make it useful instead of a so this is this is I'm gonna go to an older generation like my, my dad, right? My dad has in Italy this thing called Team Vision, which is like Apple TV, but it's made with the you know the telecom company. Same thing. They also have Apple TV because I had to put it there because, you know, if I'm there, that's what I want to watch. And it, every day, and they know how to use it. Once in a while, they watch a movie. But most of the time, I'll talk to them, and they're like, yeah, we'll see what's on TV tonight. And I'm like, everything is on TV because that's the way I think. You go to Netflix, you go to Disney, you go to Apple TV, and you just pick what you want. They are still, because it's easier for them to say, Let's flip three channels, five, 10, 15, and then let's decide which one is our best choice. And I think their life is actually a lot easier. And they do sometimes experience something that they weren't planning to experience. They're, in a way, maybe they're more open. Or you can think, well, you're watching what the man told, tell you to watch while well, I have the old choices in the world. But in a way, you know, Maybe it's the opposite of the new generation where you're like, it's too much. Sometimes I feel like it's too much. I mean, I listen to music 24-7. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to default on my old school hard rock. 
station or my, you know, Black Sabbath and see where it goes from there. Yeah, you don't want to make a choice. You just want somebody because, else. Well, if I keep, you know, well, maybe Siri decided for me, but, you know, I have my default. That's what I'm saying <laughs> to not go crazy. Well, so it goes back to the other, other, um, the whole like our brain's capacity to make important decisions. Actually, we've got limited, we, we, it's not unlimited. So it, it diminishes as the day goes through. So you, you make most of the important decisions, but you've got a limited amount of decision making. Um, there's a term that I'm using. The, the, the decision making currency actually depletes. Mm. Um, I think, generally speaking, no. I think, uh, I think it was Roth that, that, uh, pointed this out that I mean we're basically removing the physical barriers right so to go out and play a game of soccer with your friends you're kind of limited to well you're probably going to do that at night unless it's inside an inside arena mm -hmm. uh, you have to get all the people together at the same time right. uh, and and hopefully the field's available and somebody else isn't using it so there, there are constraints in the physical world that, that potentially we can remove um, and if you look at and to your point Carrie around our, our minds, what are we capable of when we, when we get exposed to the internet, the, the, the physical boundaries of our own little communities go away, right? Which opens us up to new thoughts and new ideas and exposed to, to different situations and maybe cultural aspects and, and things like bullying then come into play where our minds can handle and emotionally we get stretched and too much. Information there is another thing, Sean, making a decision or not. The time, the time becomes relative as well because everything is always there on demand. You don't have that unless it's a live sport event that you want to watch mm -hmm. when it goes live. Back in the days, it's like, yeah, the movie is tonight at 9.30. I, I got to be there. I'm not, I'll see you guys later to your friends or I'm going to mm -hmm. have dinner and then I want to watch the TV. Now, now it's always there. You were the guy who went on well, the it, it is and it isn't. So you were the guy who went home to watch Baywatch when it came yeah, out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Happy days when in the seven, like in the seventies, yeah. and then I moved to Baywatch. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and I, 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 would, I would say that the, the time is there and it isn't. So as an example, I, I, I play um, I play some FPSs with with uh, friends uh, that are scattered around the U.S. Um, we play in a particular set of hours that can kind of generally match the time zones of people from basically it, EST to PST. Well, you um, control that, not the other way. I think what Marco was talking about is that yeah. station set, programming set at certain time. Somebody else controlled yeah. it. You would base your life around that. Versus right. Well, so but the point is that if if I want to, I can watch the latest episode of a star wars show or whatever marvel you know, I, I can i can watch a streaming thing at any time but as soon as you're doing something social you are still time constrained where you generally can you know like think of it as as anywhere globally you are probably trying to coordinate with people who are in similar time zones and similar language countries to be able to coordinate and talk with them. And, and there can be some leeway. You can be like, oh, I'm going to make the effort to deal with lag so that this person from Australia can play and they'll have 250 ping. Um, but for the most part, 
there is some amount of regionalization around uh, around time zones because latency and and the physics of of, of signals moving mean that you can't absolutely go. I can play anywhere at any time with anyone because um, our our current internet doesn't support that. So it, it is important on the one hand to to still time is more flexible, but it's still kind of relative. But the other thing I would say, you know, going back to the notion of like kids is um, what's becoming more important is not to go like, hey, there's just like I, I remember someone re recently saying like we should just have metaverse time. And I'm like. No, I'm sorry. That's stupid. Like, we, we, like we, we already have. Yeah, I'm like, we, we already have a a traditional notion of time, and you can go to like, you you can use that to go like to to, to Greenwich Meridian time, but metaverse time doesn't need to be a different thing because everyone lives in a particular place around the globe. You only need metaverse time if you're on like the space station. If, if you are not bound to the earth, then maybe you need a different time. You need like earth time. But if you are on the earth, you need earth time in oh, the region that you are in. That is always on and it's always available. So in that case, why wouldn't you have a UTC or a metaverse time? Where... And, 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 I, and I would say that we already have that um, with, you know, we, we can already say, you know, this is GMT. Um, we, we have that. We don't need a different thing because it would it would just be pick different you know laws, different rules, different laws. Pick pick a different location, um, but but I, I do think that, that the thing that we need in terms of time is um, is we need to give um, more of an emphasis from parents to teachers to potentially corporations to teach people about time management because. When I was a kid, and you know, this is dating myself, I when I wanted to go play initially um, on in a game, I would go to the arcades, and it would take time to go to the arcades um, in Seattle, and you know, to physically travel there and then play a game and then come back, and then you know, like my parents got a, a first game console, and like oh, I can I can both program on this and I can play on this, but. Now we're at a point where computers are everywhere and we can be endless, endlessly distracted. And it is important to teach people to, uh, to teach young people, especially that while they can do anything at any time, that they have to specifically think about how they're using and apportioning and dividing up their time in their communication, in their work, in their play, so that they balance um, because it is much easier to go overboard than it used to be. And new generations don't have the same um, kind of built-ins, you know, kind of, let's say, safeguards of, oh, I don't go to watch all the time because I started with a notion that of live broadcast that you could only watch a show at a particular time. So someone can now go and go like, oh, I'm just going to binge three seasons of this show one after another for days. That's not good. Well, um, well that was not available to us. I'm, I'm pretty sure if it was available, yeah. you would have done that. So, so to new generations can binge in social media, in streaming audio and video, video in particular, and in games for endless amounts of time. And, and it's important to teach um, them limits. And it's important to teach them the value of wow. work versus play so that they balance those.
the problem is that you can teach your kids or you can teach anybody limits. So the problem is that that's all they're exposed to. So unless only the shape running them, like you're with them 24-7, you can't prevent that, right? I mean, so so that goes back to who's responsible for it. And I still think it's collective. Like you are. You're you're responsible, Kerry. Um, you know, you know what? Talking about the time and and uh, I'm using the time here because we we're well over an hour and uh, I'm pretty sure we could keep going for another six or seven. Um, but but talking about metaverse time, um, whether you have create a new one or not, uh, connected to GMT or whatever it is, can can you pause time? That's probably not possible in the metaverse. Yes. Yeah. Can can you pause your position if if it's following? GMT and I don't know. If, oh, if, it's I... metaverse, if it's not a non, if it's a non-decentralized metaverse, then you potentially can because then you can control some aspects of it. But when it becomes decentralized, you it just becomes like the universe. Like you, well, well more importantly, if it's single player, you can in, in the same way that you can put a bookmark in in, in a novel, right? Single player, you can't stop. Play. You can't stop the time for everyone else because That's the world is yes. just like the real world is going to keep <laughs> moving. Saying. But I was thinking, well, just you, the you same can't thing. stop the time for yourself either. You just want to believe that you've stopped it, and <laughs> know. time, time is on my side. So. That's right. I'm, I'm just quoting yeah, Roland Stones here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sad to do this, but let's uh, let's pause this one. Party right. pooper. Party pooper. <laughs> well, the human things need to happen at some point. <laughs> yes, well, we need to we need to do some human things. <laughs> I, I think I think we need to remind what we said at the beginning, Sean, that this from now on we're just like freestyling. Well, this proved that we can. So stay tuned because we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it strife from here. We're gonna pause this time. We're gonna go live our life, play and do things. And we then might the show next up at time, the same spot or not? You never know. We're going to be right um, here for everyone else. We hope you, everybody, enjoyed the, the conversation. Makes everybody think. And uh, if it's the case, leave some comments. Maybe ask some questions. We probably don't have answers, but we have opinions. That's, that's for sure. We have opinions. Same so here. thank you so much again for a fantastic conversation. A lot to think about. And uh, come on, everybody. Go out and play. <laughs> Shut down the computer, and uh, and we'll see you next time. Listen to us next time. That cool. sounds good. Make make sure to go out and do some human things. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever I that am, is. Copywriting that. I'm actually going to get the domain right. <laughs> make a T-shirt. Let's all wear a T-shirt next time. Yeah. All right. Next time, stay tuned on ITSP Mag. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.